Call 021-446-0567. Good afternoon. I'm Crystal Audison standing in for Pippa Hudson. Now in Consumer Talk this week, our expert consumer journalist, Wendy Nola, is taking a break. But as you know, consumer issues are never on holiday. So today we are going to be discussing recycling. Now in South Africa, around 2.4 million tons of plastic waste is generated annually. Of this, only 14% is recycled. And on average, every person leaks at least 1.4 kilograms of plastic to the environment every year. That's a shocking amount. And according to the Breaking the Planets, sorry, Breaking the Plastics Wave report, this flow of plastic into the ocean is projected to nearly triple by 2040. But what are we as South Africans doing to help? Are we recycling enough? Are we recycling the right items? And what are the retailers doing to help the situation? To discuss these issues and to answer some of your questions, we welcome Ruan Sneiman, expert analyst of the Circular Economy for Green Cape, to the studio. Good afternoon, Ruan, and great to have you. Good afternoon. Thanks very much for having me. Ruan, so this morning when I went to the shop, I got so annoyed. The first thing that the lady offers me, do you want a plastic bag? I won't mention the retailer. But I, I just realized it's just so irritating and all the money that's made. And f- in my head, Ruan, that's not helping consumers shift energy. And especially if you go to low-income areas, Ruan, it's just automatic. Do you want the plastic? And people pay one rand for it. So there's the cost, but we not, we're not changing the culture here. Am I being annoying here by asking you this? Because I was literally annoyed this morning and then I thought, oh, I have an expert this afternoon. I can ask them. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge for, for customers and for consumers because as you, you go through your shopping experience, you, you don't really necessarily have the opportunity to, to avoid plastics or to bring in, let's say, something reusable or uh, it's just limited opportunities sometimes. Mm. Um, but the work that we're trying to do from a South African plastics pack perspective is to work with these big retailers okay. and the brand owners and the recyclers to try and address some of those issues. Sometimes it's sort of entrenched behavior or systems within the company that has mm. been there for, for a long time. And as you know, as, as people get used to something being in the same way, they sort of just perpetuate that. Um, so that's a, a lot of the work that we're trying to do is to, to work with these companies to try and find solutions. Okay, and change behavior. Because obviously I've traveled across Africa and literally in some countries, especially in North Africa and then closer to home, Rwanda, you know, it's just absolutely banned. There's just like no questions asked. It was just banned, which of course is a much more radical. It's a smaller economy. But let me get to another question, Ruan. What would you say is a significant contributor to the plastic uh, waste problem we have in the country? Um, so there's there's multi, a multitude of things that that make the situation more complex and more difficult than it perhaps needs to be. But I feel like we are starting to move in the right direction. Uh, South Africa has extended producer regulations in place, uh, which many other countries don't have. And and the idea with the regulations is that the companies that place the products on the market, there's a levy uh, associated with that packaging and that levy would have to be invested into the recycling and collection sector. So in the future, uh, that's something that's just going to drive more investments mm-hmm. into recycling and collection that will ultimately make it uh, easier for customers uh, to recycle, but also for, for these valuable materials to actually be retained in the economy. Uh, because we all get frustrated with 
the pollution in the environment, but all those items we see have an inherent value to them. Mm. And if we can keep them in the economy, we can create more jobs and economic growth as well. That's fascinating. Um, So give us also an example of some of the problematic plastics, because as you can imagine, the one when that Cape Town, Cape of Storms starts, and which we had it yesterday, when the next morning is just everywhere. Despite the best efforts of having bins, etc., it's just the nature of being in Cape Town. There is the wind, and you're just going to see the next day yeah. rubbish all over. Um, yeah, so in terms of the South African Plastics Pact, um, there's, there's four key targets. So the one that you're talking about is the problematic items, which is target number one, and that's really where the businesses have come together to identify 12 key items where uh, potentially those items can either be eliminated or repla- replaced with something that's less impactful uh, on the environment. So, And that list was defined by the members uh, back in 2020, and they've been doing a lot of work to try and eliminate and replace those items. Uh, so far, um, it's around 50 million items that have been replaced wow. um, per year. So that's essentially items that would have either been given to customers for free or sold in some way or used in some way. And Uh, Those items usually don't have a collection value or they're very small or the type of material is problematic for the recycling uh, of other materials. Uh, And perhaps I can just mention a couple of examples Mm. that might include uh, plastic straws, uh, plastic earbud inners, um, also uh, plastic barrier bags. So, you know, the, the, the flimsy bags that you get when you go to the shop and they usually pack like your chicken or your cleaning items and stuff like that in there. So we've been doing a lot of work with the retailers to to add the tools at least to eliminate them. You don't always need them. Uh, and it's just a default uh, from okay. the cashier to give it to you. Oh. Uh, and that's really millions of items. We have one of our retail uh, retailer members have eliminated those bags entirely. And that's around 22 million of those bags that are not in circulation anymore. Um, But then there's more items as well, Mm. plastic lollipop sticks, uh, plastic stirrers used for coffee. Mm. So there's a lot of these little small things that you use as a consumer all the time, but that can't be recycled and it's small and it ends up in the environment. Um, And ultimately we want to keep working on those and there's an expanded list that we're working on with the members on that's just gonna add some more problematic plastics, Mm. which hopefully we can replace and eliminate. I'm in conversation with Ruan Sneiman. He's an expert analyst of the circular economy for Green Cape to the studio. We are talking recycling, also the initiatives. And it is quite impressive, Ruan, just to listen to that retailers are making a difference. They are having the conversation. And then there's experts like you that's guiding them in the right direction. But just take us back to the plastic pact. I mean, Already, they've done amazing things in terms of millions of problematic or unnecessary plastic items. But this pact, is it a, a physical kind of we signed on the dotted line and we're now members of the pact? Who are these members? Are you finding people if they don't adhere to the pact? What's the checks and balances around it? Yeah, it's it's exactly like that. So, so the plastics pact, as I said, has four targets. And also, just to mention that Green Cape, I work for Green Cape. Uh, we're an NGO, mm-hmm. and we facilitate the plastics okay, pact. So yeah. we're there to provide the support and information and knowledge, and uh, like get the working groups together to get the retailers in the same room to try and figure these things out together. Um, but essentially, it's as you say, the plastics pact has four targets. Each company needs to have somebody senior who signs on the document that that shows their commitment to. Work work towards these targets. Uh, And uh, all the targets are aimed at addressing different parts of the value chain. Um, So of course, 
One part we've already spoken about is eliminating or replacing problematic items. But then there's a whole host of other um, pieces of work that needs to happen to make the overall um, space more sustainable. And that's where the other targets come in. Target two, for example, is focused on design. So what type of packaging, um, what's the design choices that you need to make to ensure that that item can actually be collected and recycled and has value for recycling at the end of the day. So if you just think of a a beverage bottle where you buy your cool drink or your water in, Mm. there's like the color is important, the label is important. So so the adhesive perhaps is important, the cap is important. So all those design choices that that, that the company makes has an impact on the ultimate value of that item. So a lot of our work is about getting those designs right, working with the, the companies to improve their design so that ultimately these items can be collected for recycling. And then target three is about the actual collection system. We've got some of the biggest recyclers in South Africa as members as well. So we're working with the recycling sector to improve that. And then target four is about recycled content. Can you put that recycling back into these packaging items that we're selling so that you can create that loop, the circle, so that there's inherent value in recycling as well. Okay, that's great because we actually had, you know, someone also asking about the plastic pack. We just have a voice note from someone, Ruan, a question to you. Um, Hi there. Could you ask Ruan what plans have been put in place, if any, to deal with the blister packs that you get your medication in? It's plastic and it's covered with foil. I mean, those are two things that shouldn't be put together, surely. Yeah, that's that's one of those design choices um, okay. that you're talking about. And sometimes when it comes to medical packaging, it can be quite difficult. Um, so in terms of other types of blister packs, so so we on 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 this list um, of problematic items, we do have blister packs, but specifically the blister packs that you let's say you get your toothbrush in it, it has a cardboard backing, uh, and then you've got like a a plastic over that. So sometimes the material type of that plastic makes it difficult to recycle and it contaminates other recycling streams. So there's that one item in terms of blister packs that we do have on the on the, the target one list for members to replace. Uh, but when it comes to just combining different material types, it's always a challenge. Uh, so when you you have a plastic com- combined with uh, combined with with paper or uh, something else like that, then it becomes difficult for recycling. Usually, you want to work towards like a mono material or a mono layer item that's just easier for collection and it has a higher value for recycling mm. at the end of the day. Interesting, because you know the one I'm I am trying my utmost to recycle. Uh, but I live in a block of flats, you know, and so the recycle bins are downstairs and I'm not making up excuses, but I think the reality is for many people living in blocks of flats, they don't always have the space for different bins, etc. So what a practical advice would you give people in my building or other buildings that what can we do to just, you know, it, so that. Uh, because I do believe and I think that recycling should just be part of what we do every day, like waking up and brushing your teeth, correct? Yeah, I agree with that. But I also understand that it needs to be, it needs to be as easy as possible for consumers. Um, I, I previously worked in the retail space for, for one of the uh, large South African retailers. So I sort of understand that things do need to f- flow 
and the processes need to be as easy as possible for as many as possible customers to actually do it and it's to fit into their day-to-day lives mm-hmm. you can't for example expect somebody to uh, to collect a whole bunch of materials and then drive with that or go to a drop-off center in my view that's that just adds additional difficulty for the customer and then ultimately you will have less people that participates um, but one of the key issues in South Africa is that most South Africans actually don't have access to recycling services mm-hmm. so even if they wanted to recycle they don't have access to it um, but then there's various things that you can do um, to, to add a positive contribution so right at the start you mentioned that in South Africa um, there's about I think 1.4 kilograms of plastic that um, that uh, per person that goes into the environment so so one thing that you can immediately do is even if you can't recycle just make sure that the items you use are disposed of properly um, so that uh, at the very least it goes to landfall or it enters the recycling stream rather than ending up in the environment so that's essentially don't litter like that's a very very important part uh, and that's one contributor of why we see so much waste uh, in our environment is because of littering mm. um, and then it's important if you don't have access to recycling services to to understand what are the uh, the products you're buying to try and see if there's a way through your purchasing behavior uh, to limit the, the, the amount of packaging you use or to reuse what you've got so if you if you've got an ice cream tub or something like that you can reuse that for your lunchbox or you can reuse that at home there's always opportunities to make sure that whatever you purchase you can kind of extend that thing's life because that increases the value of that item um, and then also to use your voice so the the big retailers and the companies do respond to customers uh, and the more customers can um, express themselves that this is something that's very important the more those companies will see that this is something that might affect them commercially uh, and if that pressure is on on these businesses then they will change the uh, the systems and the processes that they have I'm in conversation with Ruan Sneeman, expert analyst of the circular economy for Green Cape. You'll be talking recycling, and Ruan is an encyclopedia of knowledge. And so on that retailer, Ruan, we have a question. What about the individually plastic-wrapped chicken portions at Woolworths? So clearly there's a question, Ruan. I mean, we know it's a very popular retailer, but yeah, what, what can you say about this? Um, yeah, so that's an interesting one. Uh, so, uh, as I mentioned, we do under Target 2, uh, it's all about design. And that's um, one of the key elements that we're trying to address with the members is uh, where um, that, that packaging and plastic is used in a sort of a reasonable and rational way, where it is used for, for the product itself. So sometimes it's unavoidable that you have to use packaging to just ensure that the product can get to the customer and that that product has a, a long as possible shelf life. So fundamentally, uh, we don't want to have a negative impact by saying, okay, you have to remove packaging, which then ultimately increases food waste so so for us food waste is an important thing to to ensure that we don't have a sort of a negative impact by by increasing food waste by pushing for no packaging it always does play a role in the products that um, that customers acquire but then of course it's important not to overpack mm-hmm. so where you can to try and eliminate certain overwraps and and and, um, and things like that that can that, that don't necessarily play a key role in, in keeping the product safe for the consumer um, it's just about working with the companies to identify those opportunities and then actually implement them. Mm. It also takes a very long time for these companies to implement of those course, changes. as you mentioned. And also, I mean, Ruan, let's face it, I mean, COVID also just brought such a awareness. So for me, for instance, buying fruit and vegetables, I used to just take it in my hand, you know, to have it in my basket and take it out. And then I'm like, I don't want 
funny people to touch it. So, you know, so it's also been unlearning something that you had to learn to, you know, survive and then now trying to unlearn it. But let's talk about some initiatives. I mean, the Urania Zicht Market, you know, absolutely great initiative, things that they are doing, what's of interest and, you know, why would you say it's so commendable? Yeah, so so at the market, um, there there's reusable cups that you can use for if you want to, to buy a beer or something like that. And it's really an interesting initiative. Um, one of my colleagues really managed that project um, and, and working closely with, with the market to to, to figure out the processes that would work best for the customers there. And it was really a, a, a lot of learnings came through that. It's never easy to implement a process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really uh, trying to, to use reusable cups in a way that, that the customers have the same experience, uh, that they don't necessarily need to, to change their behavior in any way, and that it also works for the different vendors and the the, the, the the market itself. So that's the idea what we want to get towards is how can we introduce something that's perhaps a, a reuse system or a, a more sustainable process that provides a benefit both for the organizations that are, are selling the item, so essentially the beer vendors, so they can potentially save money because now they don't necessarily need to purchase all those single-use cups which come at a cost. Mm. So if you can reuse the cup over and over, if it's washed properly uh, and if it's safe for the consumers and the consumers have the same experience, uh, then everybody sort of wins. So you've got a reduced environmental impact, uh, you save money, and um, the customers can, can feel more comfortable with the fact that they're not uh, having an impact by using all these single-use beer cups. But mm. it's an interesting initiative. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think also consumers, you know, we are... Recording in progress. ...starting to, you know, become very active. So an example, my daughter is um, active in her environmental club. She's only 10 years old, very environmentally conscious. So I also feel... That's the way schools play a, a role. And if you have things like environmental clubs, I mean, she gets upset when somebody throws a paper out of the window as they're driving. And it's just interesting to see that kind of consciousness already at that age. And But on that note, we also have another voice note. I have a question for Ruan, and that is, um, what about the role of pickers in... Um in the circular economy, um, are, are they in the process of being formalized? Um, I put my rubbish, my recycling into a black plastic bag and I put it into my rubbish because I was informed by an expert that that is actually how many pickers earn a living and they take that recycling and they take it to the recyclers and they earn a living that way. And so I'd rather give my recycling to them could you comment on that? Hmm? Interesting question. Um, yeah, definitely. So the informal collectors and the waste pickers uh, play a very important role in the, the recycling system in South Africa. So for some material types, so if you think of beverage bottles or the um, HDPE, the white milk containers, um, South Africa has very high collection rates. Even compared globally, we, we um, have high recycling rates of those items. And a key reason for that is the waste pickers and the informal collectors. So uh, as I mentioned at the start, these these plastic materials have a value, um, and if individuals can use that to, to generate an income for themselves, um, then that's great because it's an opportunity to create jobs um, uh, and just create economic activity. Um, so ultimately, for, for us, it's not necessarily about formalizing the informal sector. It's more about finding ways to integrate them so that they can play a key role 
um, in the future. So as as the infrastructure develops and as there's more funding for recycling and things like that, we we um, our focus is to ensure that the informal sector continues to play a key role um, uh, in that system, just to to ensure that enough jobs are created and that they can still participate in in collecting those items. Um, but also, it's definitely if you don't have recycling um, in your area, if you can separate it uh, and, and just make it easier for informal collectors, that would be great as well, because then they don't necessarily have to pick through all the organic waste and the food waste and things like that to get to the valuable items. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ruan. We had a lot of questions from listeners. Thank you. And for your insights, really great and just amazing to hear about this plastic pact, what's being done. So thank you so much. That was Ruan Sneiman, expert analyst of the Circular Economy for Green Cape. Um, he spoke to us about recycling and the fascinating and interesting projects that they're working on, but also working with different players in the sector. Thank you so much.